Hi, I'm Alyssa. Hi, I'm Jenna, and welcome to Sincerely Your Best Friends. A podcast about life and advice for people who don't seem to have a best friend or miles and miles away from theirs like we are. We're here to help you and have a good time while we do it. All right, let's chat. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to um, episode two of Sincerely Your Best Friends. In today's episode, we're talking about life after college, getting into the misconceptions about what you should be doing after graduation and what people expect you to be doing. Yeah. Um, yeah, so let's hop in Yeah. to, I guess, the expectations of graduating and everything. I know when I was graduating, like all of my friends had jobs lined up, mm-hmm. and um, I was just riding the sail, just <laughs> trying to figure out. <laughs> but, like, I also didn't want to stay around here, so I didn't want to, like, start applying to jobs and mm-hmm. only have to move away. So I guess that was kind of intimidating, like, a little bit. Yeah, I think there comes a pressure to just have it all figured out and, like, really know your next step Mm -hmm. because like I feel like as soon as you enter high school all we're taught is like you have to get to college then you get to college and all they're telling you in college is like you got to get out there and get a job so like I feel like it's kind of ingrained in your brain to have it all figured out and then you get off the graduation stage and you're like okay but I also feel like so in what? high school, like, you always knew kind of what your next step was. Like, if you weren't going to go to college and you were, like, going to start working, you kind of had to have that figured out. Mm-hmm. And then in college, yes, they want, like, they promote, like, getting a job, like, immediately. But it's not not really pressurized. Like, your professor isn't sitting there with you applying to right. jobs. Like, you kind of have to have that willpower yeah. to figure that out. I think the pressure comes from, like, we put it on ourselves based on mm-hmm. our environment. Like, because I don't think a lot of people realize when you would go home and people would be like, so what's next? Like, they're making small talk with you, but that adds more pressure to you because you're hit with the thought, like, I don't know what's next. I'm 21 years old. So I don't think, like, it's not like professors in the college that's putting that pressure on you. They're just giving you the resources yeah. to make it happen. I think we just put the pressure on ourselves. Um, And it was, like, a lot of pressure when people, like, oh, like, what are you doing after college? Like, have you gotten a job yet? Like, what are your next steps? And you're, like, I mean, for me, I was, like, oh, just trying to figure it out. (laughs) I know at the time, I went to a networking event in New York City, and I met a Bonnie alum who worked for Hearst Magazine, which was, like, I think it's, like, Cosmo, like, all of those magazines. And... I actually took another trip to the city and, like, connected with two other people she introduced me to, just kind of hearing about the industry and everything and, like, how to get into it. And when it came time to, like, like graduation apply to jobs, like, they weren't hiring until the end of their fiscal year, which wasn't until July. So I kind of leaned on that a little bit, like, mm-hmm. oh, like, I can't apply yet. Like, the jobs aren't really open right now. So I kind of, like, use that as, like, a little bit of an excuse, but... um yeah. Still, it was kind of intimidating for sure. Well, I think it's hard too, like when you're looking for a job that isn't in the area that your mm-hmm. college is in. Because, like, I know if I would have stayed in Albany, like, I would have had a job right after college because I could have just worked mm-hmm. where my internship was. But, like, 
I knew I was moving to Tennessee. So it's like much harder because also my school's not that big. So the chances of an alum being down here, I mean, there are some, but like, yeah, it's slimmer than like if I went to the University of Albany, like those people are everywhere. Yeah. Um, I know like as well as like internships, like I remember my friend Claire, she had an internship with like a very cool marketing firm called Diction Schwabble. Have you heard of them? Mm-hmm. And like they had like a very competitive like after the internship, like they had I don't know if there was only, like, a few jobs open, like, maybe one or two <clears throat> that she could apply for. And I remember her going through that interview process. And it was, like, intense. Like, right out of the internship, I think it was, like, approaching graduation. So, I mean, like, that's also, like, a lot of pressure trying to figure all that out and, like, having to do that while you're taking finals and everything. Like, that just mm-hmm. doesn't need to happen, all of that. Well, and then, like, if you share, like, a dorm with people and... They keep coming in and they're like, oh, I have interviews. I have a job lined up. And then, like, if you're scrolling through Instagram and you see that your friends from back home have jobs lined up, you get that feeling of Mm -hmm. being behind. So then that only makes you, in turn, apply more pressure to yourself because you're like, I really got to get this figured out. And, like, I lived in a house with – it was, like, three different floors, but the – um second and the third floor we all shared like a kitchen and like the first floor was kind of like their own separate thing and like all of them had um their figured out and like jobs I remember my friend Jess was on the phone like every single day with people in like the sports industry or whatever like connecting like this person knew this person got her on this call uh, which she also or ultimately landed a really cool job. So she knew like right like before graduation that she was like moving to Florida. She's working for the Orange Bowl, which also like I know this kind of goes back into our first episode of like your first job. Mm-hmm. I know like a lot of people, they got a job right out of college and then they worked there. They got a little bit of experience and then they moved on or they didn't think it was mm-hmm. what it was all cracked up to be. Um, that actually happened to Jess. She worked for the Orange Bowl, and then she got a job with um, Miami Dolphins. Oh, nice. Then Claire also, I think she worked for, I don't know if it was a marketing firm or whatever. Then she got a job with um, Zweigel's. She's like the social media for Zweigel's hot dogs. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Anyone that's not in... Like, from Western New York will not know what those are. Zweigel's are the best freaking hot dogs. Um, But, yeah, I think... That's something my professors kind of always drove home. They're like, your first job out of college is not, like, chances are, is not going to be your forever job. That's probably not going to be where you build your career. It's just a stepping stone. So that, in a sense, made me kind of feel like, okay, I just kind of got to get the first job out of the way. Because I know that, like, that's not going to be my path. So I think that also came from a pressure because I'm like, I don't even know if what I'm looking for is what I'm going to be interested in like I'm the type of person that loves having the next step figured out and solidified and when I didn't it like put me in panic mode and then ultimately pressured you into getting a (laughs) job that had me crying over peanut butter and jelly sandwiches (laughs) yo so I got a lot of feedback um from that episode and us talking about the kind of pyramid scheme like our jobs were (laughs) And my friend Carly was like, I went on so many interviews with those kinds of jobs. She's like, luckily my, somebody in her family like kind of told her straight up like, Mm-mm. yeah. so maybe he's speaking from experience as well. But I guess it happens to a lot of people, not just, not well, just Well, in us. my 
old boss, like, she had worked at a thing really? like that, too. So we would literally, like, <laughs> laugh all the time about, like, the morning meetings and stuff. So funny. And it's just, it kind of, like, makes me sad that they're, like, kind of a predatory organization out there trying to get people lured into that situation. I just, like, I don't understand how, I guess you have to be really good at selling, but, like, the people who were, like, Mm -hmm. the, I'm not, like, a group leader. I don't even know what they're called. But, like, they were running their own teams. Like, I wonder how much they brought home and, like, how long it took them to get there and, like, how did they succeed in that well, position. I don't doubt that they're making money, whether it's an honest way yeah. or not. But the thing that was, like, kind of a red flag to me is, like, people would be talking about all the money they're making. Yet they were driving, like, 2003 Mazdas. And I was like, okay, I, I get it. Like, there's humble people and there's people who like to hold on to their money. They're not going to spend it. I'm like, but if you're, like, bragging this much about how much you're making— yeah. If you made that much, like, the first thing people are going to do is buy something flashy. And chances are it's going to be a new car if you're driving a 2003 Mazda and it's 2020. Like, so that was, like, a red flag for me. I'm like, there is no way you're making what you're saying you're making. There's no way. I wonder way. if they made money off of your sales. They did. Yeah, that's how a pyramid scheme works. But that goes to another point. Is like, I think you go out into the world thinking, I'm going to be making enough Like, I'm going to make enough to get by. I don't think you make as nearly as much as you think you're going to. And it's hard. So you get that first job, and it's a very basic, like, entry-level position. And then let's say you stay there for maybe six months, but you're still applying to, like, entry-level positions because you have experience, but you don't have a lot of experience Mm -hmm. to put you, like, in that next bracket. And you're still making chump change, like. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and I think, like, the pressure of student loans starting six Mm -hmm. months after you graduate, like, that only adds to it. So you're like, I have to find a job fast. And then student loans kick in and you realize you're really making nothing. (laughs) I just kind of flew by the seat of my pants. Like, you have, like, this perfect window before (laughs) the rest of society is, like, getting serious and hunkering down. Yeah, until you got to get your together. Eventually, you got to get your together but you Mm -hmm. can take a breather yeah i think that's like the perfect time to just not have your together because it's like you're never again in your life gonna be able to not have your together facts without like your parents telling you like you need to get your together or other people in your ear saying like come on you're 24 get your together like i still don't have my together anybody like does anybody really uh, we're all just closeted like not having our I have like together. a mental breakdown like every single day because I don't have my together no and I'm like notorious for making to-do lists to feel better and clear my mind and then I just never get back to it I'm like I need to do all these things like I have this one on my fridge right now <laughs> of like stuff I want to do to our apartment like pack up and like clean out that has been up there since november <laughs> there's not a single thing checked off but just having it there's like okay i know i have to do it but it's just not gonna be Doesn't right now give you anxiety no but like my to-do lists for work like i'm very like i can chop away at those but that doesn't give me anxiety because i guess it's like something that i could do literally yeah. whenever i want to like there's no deadline or time that that has to be done by and if there is it's when i created myself Like, I could say I wanted this all done by January, and it's February, so I'll be like, okay, maybe (laughs) June it'll all be done. I'm, like, horrible with time management.
management skills. Like I get an hour break at lunch and like I could totally use that hour to like work on like different projects that I want to do like personally or get my shit together in that hour. But instead I like drive home and like sit here with my cats for like 20 minutes and then scramble <laughs> back to work instead of like actually using it as productive time. But, like, when I, like, I have to leave the office or, like, the day goes mm, by. So slow. I remember feeling like that. My problem with working remote is, like, taking the hour and just, like, eating lunch and doing some stuff around the house. But, like, actually taking the whole full hour because I'm, like, okay, it's been 30 minutes. I'm kind of <laughs> bored. I'll work. Like, and I don't have to, like, punch in or out for anything, but it's just, like, it's important when you work remote to make sure you build in that time to step away from it. And I just have a hard time doing it because I'm like, well, I'd rather be working. Like, I don't want to watch this episode of Seinfeld. Motivation because I feel like on my lunch breaks, I'd, like, totally take a nap and then I wouldn't want to, like, get back to work after. Yeah, I think it depends. My old job, I would go out to my car and sit in the parking garage and literally eat my lunch and cry a little bit. Cry a little bit. (laughs) Well, and I think, too, a lot of it is when you come out of college, you have just, like, really high life expectations. Like, you're like, I'm going to get a job. I'm going to meet someone. I'm going to be married. By 25, I'll be having my first kid. And, like, you're like... You have really high expectations. You're like, I'm going to step into work and everyone's going to value my opinion because I have this degree. And then you realize you're entry level and you're basically getting coffee for people. And like no one gives a flying fuck that you have a degree. No one cares. Like, honestly, (laughs) no one cares. And I would be like, look at my student loan amount. Like, you should (laughs) effing care that I have this degree. pay for it. (laughs) Come on. Yeah. Oh, it's it's just no big deal to you. I'll just send Sally Mae your way. <laughs> but that's like also another thing is don't be afraid to like get a job not in your field, if that makes sense. Yeah. At least like my dad always told me it's easier to get a job when you already have a job. So like even if you have yeah. like a entry level position that's not really what you want to do, you can obviously mm-hmm. you'll work at that job. But then like you could be doing side things like let's say you want to get into Social media, you could say, like, ask a friend if they have a business or, like, mm-hmm. go into, like, a random restaurant that doesn't have, like, a good social media presence. Be like, can I work on your social media? Like, you don't have to pay me. This is just for, like, my portfolio and experience. And then I feel like yeah. that would also help you get, like, a job maybe not in an entry-level position. Like, kind of bump you up to that next. Because mm-hmm. they see that you're, like, making strides towards. Yeah, you're, like, yeah. fine-tuning your expertise because you're not necessarily in a position that does that. But I also think coming from now having like two jobs before this one that weren't in my major, they were more so like character building positions and like showed me things about myself and what I want out of life than they were like professional Mm -hmm. development. I realized like I don't want to be like the first face customers see Those jobs showed me things about myself that I think I needed in order to progress on in life. So take a job outside of your field if it's a good fit for you now because it's probably going to end up changing you some way or showing you. Like I realized when we started working remote some days at my old job because of the pandemic, I realized like, wow, like I would really love to have a remote job. And that's not something I would have thought of before. So that led me to apply to remote positions. And going on with that, like, I feel like people think 
you need to like have a nine to five, like office setting, like business professional. And like, you got to have your together as soon as you walk in. And it's like, you don't. Because like we said earlier, nobody does. Nobody does. It's the biggest scam in society. Everyone wants to look like they have their shit together. No one knows what the heck they're doing. So don't feel bad if you don't. I was reading this book. Um, My dad got it for me. It says everything will be okay. Life lessons for a young woman. <laughs> I think she's like a CNN anchor or something. And she talks about um going into like the office setting. She's like, don't wear Ugg boots. Like, like just... <laughs> <laughs> like just like I freeze at my desk and like mm-hmm. just like when it was super cold out like just to walk in I would like have them yeah. on and like I would get like I feel like I would get judged by like the people in there because I'm just strolling out with my Ugg boots obviously I would change right like, and I guess don't wear your Uggs because then that's gonna like well I could see that being something that gets phased mm-hmm. out as older generations yeah. retire because like younger generations don't care you could show up in leggings and a sweater I'm like that has nothing to do with the quality of work that you're putting in I could care I mean like I work for my pajamas every day so it's like it has nothing to do like I society just blows my mind with the things they connect and think that affect each other like the fact that I'm wearing a sweatshirt and leggings and Uggs has nothing to do with my PR capabilities and answering a journalist that was like um there's this guy at work um he's like our safety guy and he always wears like Nike Air Forces like his shoe game is on fire (laughs) and um (laughs) I was like talking to him I was like I really like your Air Forces like they're pretty cool like the design and everything and he like went on this like long rant about how he used to work in like a very professional office and he would still wear like his Nikes. You go. Yeah. And he was like, I would get judged so hard by like the boss who'd wear like Gucci loafers. And he's like, I don't know. He went on a rant about how like, it doesn't matter like what's on my feet. Yeah. So yeah, he still uh, trots around with his Nike Air Forces. And he's like, <laughs> right. And he's like, in that conversation, he's like, yeah, just another pair dropped. I'm or a new pair is coming out, and I'm just waiting for them to drop. And then five minutes later, he comes back over to my cube, and he's like, they just dropped. I ordered them. They're on their way. <laughs> now he thinks like you're a sneakerhead. <laughs> Literally, and like it inspired me. I wore my Air Forces on like a Friday, and I saw him in the hall. He's like, no shoes, and I was like. <laughs> Thanks. And then I think it was this past week. I saw him again. He's like, my Air Forces just got delivered. So this is like our new thing. It's like his shoe game. But like, again, it doesn't matter as long as you're getting your done, like whatever the hell you want to wear. Right. Whatever you want on your feet, whatever makes you happy. Well, and I- oh, yeah, brings a smile to his face <laughs> every day looking at his Air Forces. <laughs> I think that, like, generational thing is a good point to touch on because I also noticed going into work after college, I was meeting a lot of grumpy, dissatisfied Mm -hmm. adults who weren't happy with where they're at or they're just working for the weekend, whatever. And I remember just, like, needing to avoid those people, like, the plague, mm-hmm. because I never want to be like that. I don't want to be Absolutely sitting at not. a desk at 50 years old working for my weekends. Like, I—that's mm-hmm. just not living to me. 
And I was just like, I think that was one of the hardest things for me to see, like how many people are dissatisfied with the lives that they're living. Mm -hmm. Because now I think it's created this immense pressure within myself to make sure that I'm just like trying to live all the time. And I think that that forces me to feel like I can't relax sometimes because I'm like, I could die tomorrow and all I will have done today is work and take a shower. Like, (laughs) so it's like you got to find like a good medium of both. That's something, like, I need to work on because I'm always like, ugh, it's only Tuesday. Like, a few more days to the weekend. Like, I got to start mm-hmm. enjoying my weeks and not just, like, saving everything for the weekend. And, like, because then during the week or during the weekend, I don't relax. Mm-hmm. I'm like, go, 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 go. And then come Sunday night, I'm freaking exhausted. Yeah. And then I got to get up for work in the morning. I think that also kind of creates, like, a faster burnout. So I think like spacing it out and doing things like I started really welcoming like my friends here if they're like, do you want to get happy hour drinks on a Tuesday? Like usually at my old job, I was so exhausted from it. I'd be like, absolutely not. Like I do not want to do that. But now I'm like, hell yeah, because then my weekends kind of become more reserved for things I want to do. Yeah. And not necessarily like everyone trying to squeeze something in to those two days. At my old job. I was kind of the same way. Like, I would get home. I had no life. I literally would have to be to work at 8. I worked in, like, almost an hour away, so I'd have to leave at 7. So I wouldn't get out of work until 6. I wouldn't get home until 7. And then I eat dinner, and then, like, I want to go to sleep. And, like, yeah, I was exhausted. And then during the weekend, or, like, on the weekends, I'd want to go out and, like, do whatever. And it was just, like, a constant cycle of unhealthy behavior and... And you think about just not good for your mental health. Just like how many people are living that cycle. Like mm-hmm. the best piece of advice I got with that whole type of situation is misery loves company and loves to recruit it too. So like they love to be miserable, but they love to know that you're miserable too. Because yeah. it keeps them hanging <clears throat> on to like, okay, I'm not the only one. But that's like going like with the company culture. Mm-hmm. I mean, these companies need to kind of move with the time. Like no one's going to be punching a clock. Mm-hmm. No one's going to be working 12 hour days, like except if you're a nurse. But like <laughs> my old company, they were so in the past and they they weren't growing with the future and like mm-hmm. with society and with the younger generations like they're like no one wants to work from eight to six every day and yeah. like that's just draining like during covid we couldn't work from home they yeah. never trusted us to work from home Ugh. so it was like during a pandemic i was still going into work working these long ass days very unhealthy mm-hmm. um work environment as well but like If these companies don't start moving with the times, like... I think I saw something on LinkedIn that relates to what you're saying. Like, there's... This guy made out a post basically saying, like, for all you companies out there that refuse to give more flexible scheduling and remote opportunities to your workers, he was like, keep doing it because I've hired 16 people based (laughs) off of your companies not doing so. And he wrote, like, this perfect line. He said, flexibility isn't going anywhere. And the companies, like, I don't know if I can say the same about the companies that Mm -hmm. aren't adjusting to it. So, basically, like, your company is going to continue to lose people and get phased out and lose profits because you're going to have no one who wants to work for you in a toxic workplace like that. Exactly. So, did you notice when you graduated college that there was a pressure to be an early success, or did you feel that pressure? Um, I definitely felt like I needed to have my together and like need to have everything figured out. And like 
you'd see like these people on like especially social media or even like people that you've like graduated with and you compare yourself like oh my god I'm only 21 yeah then I was probably 21 going on 22 and I like like you're you're so young you're only 21 years old and like Mm -hmm. even now I'm 24 and I feel like time's a ticking but I'm like I'm only you're only in your 20s so like pressure to like have all your stuff figured out Mm -hmm. like being financially stable and having your dream job and working on these side hustles and marrying the love of your life like I definitely compared myself and it's hard not to Mm -hmm. um for all these people to think like you need to be this success and it's just like I think a stereotype of Mm -hmm. that I don't know if that generation or like or what honestly I feel like it's so we feel the need to share like good news because no one wants to share bad news Mm -hmm. In turn, that makes everyone in this unrealistic comparison game. And then you're like, well, I'm behind. And then you share things that you're doing, not even realizing that you're then contributing to someone else's comparison game. It's a vicious cycle. And I don't think, like, until people, like, actually start being real and sharing, like, the not-so-pleasant stuff that it'll change. And I think there's just so much hate on online platforms that when people share unpleasant things, they end up getting ripped apart for them. Like, I've heard of, like, moms sharing postpartum journeys and people are, like, ripping them apart. And it's, like, that should be a safe space because there's so many people that relate to that actually Mm -hmm. happening. Like, I, I don't know why, as a society, we feel like all the real rawness needs to be kept secret Mm -hmm. but it kind of just makes us all have these unrealistic expectations about where life's gonna go and like I know for me when I was like in a job that I wasn't passionate about I was doing a lot of passion projects on the side Mm -hmm. and I got caught up in hustle culture like feeling like I just had to keep doing things and like there was no way I was ever going to be successful if I wasn't focusing at least an hour or two a day on all these things and that can burn you out Mm -hmm. so freaking fast and it also like fizzles the passion for the projects out really fast Mm -hmm. I don't think I think hustle culture is just as toxic and it's only glorified through compare like through social media because you just keep comparing yourself I know growing up I used to watch like YouTube videos like makeup fashion videos I feel like every girl did and like you would see the success of like these kids who are basically your age and now growing up in the influencer, like, yeah. has taken off. And you see people who are your same age, like, living in a big city, going out every night, like, going out to eat every night, drinking, like, carrying, like, designer stuff, living in, like, a $3,000 apartment. And it's like, damn, like, what am I doing wrong that I can't mm-hmm. have that lifestyle? And, like, they're my age. They have their shit together. Like, so I think... I mean, I compared myself a lot to that. And oh, it's yeah. like, I feel like that's what's wrong with, not wrong with society, but like fuels hustle culture. And mm-hmm. like, you compare yourself to this person, this person, this person. Yeah. For them to get successful, especially like TikTok people, mm-hmm. it's kind of like the right place at the right time. Yeah. Like you could oh, post sure. a video tomorrow and get blown up and like have like millions of views. And then your page is set. Like now you have a following mm-hmm. and you can just like grow that and start making money off of it whatever but yeah it's all the luck of the draw because it could happen to literally anyone yeah well and it's like I think anybody would love to be an influencer 
I think anybody would just like that because it's like work, but it's social media. So we grew up with it. But like there comes a pressure from them. You always feel like you have to be pushing out Mm -hmm. content. And it's like as a human, there's going to be days and weeks where you don't feel like you're doing anything worth Mm -hmm. making content but they just have to, like, do it anyway. And that's, like, another pressure that they probably have is, like, they have to just, like, always be by their phones. They can't really disconnect from the world. But then that you also lose the creative piece of that. Like, mm-hmm. now you're just pushing out content just to push out content just to keep yourself relevant. And, like, right. it may not be, like, your best article or, like, whatever. Right. And that kind of lessens the fun of it. Yeah, it does more harm than good yeah. to what you're doing. exactly. I don't know if I would feel as near as much pressure as I did graduating if social media wasn't a thing. Yeah. Because I don't think I would have noticed what anyone's doing. I also think we're kind of like dumb to think that everyone that follows us actually cares Mm -hmm. what we're doing. But that's like the perception you have. Like you're like, these people follow me for a reason. So obviously they care what I'm doing. So then you just naturally think like everybody cares. But in reality, nobody cares. And like going back to um, not having like the best job, I know – um, getting the pressure of like trying to find a job and then moving away. You like, for me, I felt like maybe that's why I jumped into a job that, cause mm-hmm. I kind of knew like in the back of my mind, like, yeah, oh, it's a little sketchy. It's sketchy. It's weird. And getting in that situation, then getting out of it, being a waitress, I felt a lot of pressure to like try and hustle to get an, um, another job or work my ass off so I can like stay up to society's standards with all this stuff Mm -hmm. and like no shame if like you want a waitress for a couple of weeks like not a couple weeks Mm -hmm. like a couple of months and like get money or like use that as like a side gig or whatever yeah like don't be afraid to do something that you want to do because I know I felt a lot of judgment when I was Mm -hmm. a waitress and like my friends in these like big jobs and they're like Jenna like when are you, like, getting a job, like, whatever. Like, I would get a lot of shade being a waitress. Yeah, and it's, like, that you probably made more than them. Facts. <laughs> and, like, I'll never forget when I was home. It was somebody, not in my immediate family. It was, like, a second cousin. Mm-hmm. Not a cousin, but, like, a second whatever. <laughs> and, um, like, she shamed me for being a waitress. I'm, like, I'm out here hustling. I'm not just sitting on my ass, like... Like, I'm trying to find a job. Like, I'm applying to jobs, like, every day. And then I got a job, and she still gave me shade on my job. She was like, well, you'll finally, you'll figure out what, what you want to do. Oh, I'm like, lady. So, like, you're going to get shade and just don't be afraid to do whatever the hell you want to do. Just take the risk. Yeah. Because, like, you have your whole life mm-hmm. to play it safe. So take the risks now. Mm-hmm. Like, what... What's going to—I know I've said this to you before. Like, what's the worst that can happen? You either get clearer on who you are and what your intentions are from it, or it works out really great. So, I mean— When I was waitressing, I connected with a lot of people, a lot of professionals. Oh, I'm sure. Um, Right place, right time, you know? Back to that saying. Yeah. Well, and I think 
what it comes down to is like there's something we all like are dying to do so you might as well take the risk Mm -hmm. to try and go for it but I've found like whenever I was doing like a passion project or something and I was telling someone about it if they didn't understand it or they were like oh that's cool like it would kind of wreck it so it's okay to keep like to not share those things Mm -hmm. with people I remember listening to this podcast with Kathy Hiller I don't know how you say your last name but It's called Don't Keep Your Day Job. Oh, I love that podcast. And I forget who she was interviewing, but it was someone really, really famous. And Kathy was like, I noticed last week, like, I couldn't comment on any of your Instagram posts. And she said, yeah, I shut it off. Like, I shut that feature off. And she's like, really? Like, what made you do that? And she said, I just realized, like, it was making me anxious Mm -hmm. to have people commenting on every little thing that I do like I'm putting this out there essentially for me Mm -hmm. so I don't welcome the opinions of strangers your opinion has no say over what I'm gonna do in my life so I don't allow it and Kathy was like that's such a power move and I was like that is actually like a really big power move like just don't welcome it Mm -hmm. don't welcome other people's opinions if it's something you really want to do it's something you enjoy that's what you should be doing it for don't do it to post it on Instagram don't do it because because it's what everyone else is doing. And I think Just take the risk. That's what like a lot of influencers, they need that validation from strangers, mm-hmm. you know, to make them feel something. And I think only growing up with social media kind of made that. Yeah. Worse. Yeah. But you have to. I would just rather not know what anyone thinks of yeah. me. <laughs> but you have to have that willpower to like turn it off, you know? Yeah. Which some people might not. Yeah. Like I think. It also just comes, like, right now, like, I'm a normal, like, I'm a nobody. I'm a normal person. So, it's, like. You're not a nobody. (laughs) (laughs) My comments, my comment sections are, like, so positive because it's all people I know. But as soon as you go over that bridge where you're getting followers of a bunch of people you don't know, that's where the negativity comes in. And I just think you have to, like, stand your ground and just show that you're not even going to welcome it. So, all of this to say. Take the risk. Try to minimize the pressure that you expose yourself to. It's not that serious. You have your whole life to figure it out. And we're all just here for the ride. So just like. Take the risk. You don't need to have your together. Ride it out. Not at all. And next week, we're talking about reconnecting and reconciliation. If you enjoyed, share, like, comment, follow our Instagram. And we hope to have you back. Yeah, thank you.